Welcome to Musically Challenged, your weekly helping of random music conversations based on whatever topic the guys choose. Their goal is to entertain and inform you on a variety of themes. This podcast is an expression of their lifelong love and commitment to music. Simply stated, music is life. This show may include adult themes and language. Once again, welcome to Musically Challenged. Here are your hosts, Chad and Lou. Welcome to episode 21 of Musically Challenged, your weekly helping of random music conversations based on pretty much whatever topic we want. I'm your host, Chad Knight, alongside Lou Schwalbach. What's up? This week, we'll be revisiting the squared circle and those entertainers' titanic entrance themes. When we finished last time, we determined that we had left out quite a few entrance themes that we liked and that were actually pretty darn good. Those omissions maybe weren't main event material, but certainly aren't jobbers either and deserve mention. Today, Lou and I will be talking about more of our favorite entrance themes from the wrestling universe. If you don't hear one that you feel should be there, check out part one of WWE entrance themes in episode six. So, hike up your spandex, make sure your wrists are wrapped good and tight while we get this show started. All right, Lou, so I'm going to go ahead and kick this one off, basically because I have an extra one. Okay, just so wanna, let's put a little note out here this time. The reason that we call this one wrestling intros is because we actually had have some WCW on this one instead of we, just WWE. We do. And, uh, you know, it gets to the point where a lot of the cases, anyway, the ones on my list that mm-hmm. were in WCW, either a good portion of the one stable I talk about or the two wrestlers I talk about actually did become WWE wrestlers at one point in their career. Right. I'm just using the music from WCW. Oh, absolutely. You know what I mean? It's Sometimes their stuff was better back then, too. Oh, yeah, Absolutely. But I'm going to kick off with actually a relatively newcomer to the game. He started wrestling in about 2015. Braun Strowman. Uh, He is known as the monster among men. Strowman's entrance music is called I Am Stronger. Strowman, real name Adam Shear, is a monster. He is huge. He's a beast. Before wrestling, he was a professional strongman. He started on Raw as a member of the Wyatt family. Here, let's listen to his music. Now, when I say Strowman is a monster, he's six foot eight and weighs in at 385 pounds. In the ring, he defeats opponents as fast as they throw him at him. In fact, he had an unbeaten streak that lasted well over a year, not only in one-on-one matches, but in handicap matches, wrestling up to five opponents at once. Good lord. The man is gigantic, and his beard is about as big as he is. Oh yeah, it's it definitely made me think of like a like a hillbilly Jim or hacksaw Jim back in the day. Yeah. Except not a fat guy. Whereas hacksaw no. Jim Duggan was a chubster. Yes. But this guy, I mean, he's a you said he's a monster. He's a beast. He flipped over a goddamn ambulance. Yeah, recently. just a few weeks ago. With uh, who was inside? Um, uh, Roman Reigns. That's right. And if Roman isn't scared, which I know he tries not to be, but I'd be pissing myself. I'm sorry. Yeah, and they're wrestling. Um, actually. Two days from when we record this. Oh, that's right. They're going to the be next on uh, Payback. Yeah, Payback, which is coming up in a couple of days here. Um, which kind of tells you that by the time you're listening to this, we don't record every week. We record in bunches. And you'll probably know who wins that match by then. Yeah, yeah. I can already tell you who's going to win. <laughs> of course you can. Well, I have a pretty good idea. I, I actually think it's... Well, they're pushing Strowman now. So I think they're going to uh, actually have Roman Reigns win again. Because Good. their booking has been shit lately. Well, yeah. Who do you got first? I have Daniel Bryan. All right. Now, I know he's not an active member anymore of the roster. No. Um, but his entrance music when he came in was Ride to the Valkyries, which was a piece of music by Wagner. Yep. And if anybody knows Looney Tunes, it was Kill the Wabbit. <laughs> And you know what I'm talking about, too. I do, I do. And what can you say about Daniel Bryan? He definitely didn't look the part of any of the wrestlers. He was very heavily bearded, not quite as much so as Braun. But he was one of the first guys that started wearing the big beard. Right, exactly. And the dude could throw a good knee in at a pretty damn good submission move, I'll tell you that. Yeah, and you know, he was one of those wrestlers that when he started, he actually wrestled under his real name, mm-hmm. Brian Danielson. And he was clean-shaven, he was kind of the baby face looking guy. But the dude has got wicked feet, man. He's got hobbit feet. He's got hobbit feet. Like big old hobbit feet. He probably shaves those too. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) Let's take a listen to his music quick. 
Now, between his moves um, and also the yes movement, I'm sorry, I loved the yes movement. You know, what I liked even better than the yes movement was Team Hell No, when he, he teamed up with Kane. Okay. And they had these, it, the vignettes they did for a big portion of it was, they didn't like each other. So they were like a team because they had to be, otherwise they were going to be fired. Mm-hmm. And they would go to counseling and all this other kind of stuff. God. And it was just the funniest shit when they started doing the hug it out movement. Oh God. <laughs> Did, wasn't there a, wasn't during the attitude era, wasn't there a team hell no? Like something with Stone Cold? Or Maybe. Was hell, hell yeah. yeah. Probably team hell yeah. Okay. Anyways, getting back with this one here, this is a hardcore version of the Ride of the Valkyries that was just reworked. Excuse me, I'm a sucker for classical music. I've always liked that, so just hearing this one in here was awesome. I really, really enjoyed it. So this is one where the music kind of drew me to the actual person, okay. more so than the person drawing me to the music. Well, you got lucky because you got that nice piece of classical music, and you have a dude that can that can wrestle. And you can back it up, yeah. yeah. It's, it's a shame that he had to retire. Due to concussions. Right. I'm glad that they did because I'd rather have him alive and in the background than underground. Even though now they are stating um, a lot of the um, online stuff is stating that he may be making a comeback. Oh, that, that would be awesome. That he may be getting cleared here within the next six months or so and then making a comeback. So I, I'd, I'd give a big yes to that. <laughs> so what do you got next? All right, up next, I have got one of the strangest characters in wrestling history. In fact, the two strangest characters in wrestling history are both portrayed by the next wrestler. Okay. So, Gold Dust. Oh, he's a creepy bastard. So, Dustin Runnels, uh, the real-life name of Dustin Rhodes, or, you know, who's the character of Gold Dust, may be the worst-kept secret in all of wrestling. Except maybe Mick Foley as his bevy of characters. <laughs> well, I suppose, Yeah. Goldust has had as many incarnations of character as he has of theme songs. Goldlust, his fourth theme song, is what we will listen to right now. Now, he debuted in 1988 and is still an active wrestler at the age of 48. Jesus. I've always liked Goldie, as he is frequently called, the son of the legendary Dusty Rhodes and half-brother of Cody Rhodes. A solid mid-carder, Goldust has never held the WWE Championship, but has held gold. Hardcore champion nine times, intercontinental champion three times, tag team champion three times, once with Cody Rhodes, once with Stardust, which is the alter ego of Cody Rhodes. Mm-hmm. And one time with Booker T. Okay. Now, Goldust is one of those characters. He's older now. He doesn't wrestle a ton. He's kind of there in the background. He's part of a tag team right now called The Golden Truth. Okay. With Our truth um, Ron, Ron Killings. Okay. If you, if you know that name more. And they're kind of a comedy tag team at this point. Both him and Ron are older. They're not going to hold the title or anything like that. Or if they do, it's going to be, you know, from one pay-per-view to the next. Okay, yeah. Kind of thing. They need to get it from this team to that team, but they can't do it directly kind of thing. It's like money laundering, but for the belt. Right. And that (laughs) that happens actually more frequently than you would think. I'm not surprised by that, actually. (laughs) So anyway, you know, I'm a Goldust fan. I have been from the very beginning with his Shattered Dreams productions and the whole androgynous yet highly sexualized... Oh, it character. Was. It's and I think that's what creeped me out. And it's become a darker character now. It's now. not yeah, yeah. It's more of a darker character now. It's not so sexualized as it was during the Attitude Era. Of course. But it's still just a creepy ass character. And when I said the other creepiest character is actually in WCW, where he portrayed the character Seven. Are you, did you know Seven? Uh no. So Seven's the whole angle of Seven, which didn't last very long, thank God. All his vignettes were him standing outside of a house window, staring at a small boy, and it was it was vignettes like that all the time. And I don't think Seven ever actually wrestled because they had him in the he went to down to the ring and he was supposed to do this um this well not interview but this this talk you know like they do they get in there and they yeah. they ramble on the mic work and. He just did a shoot, and he completely tore down the character. He tore down the WCW. He got his ass fired, but he's just like, he couldn't do the character. It was that creepy. 
Well, and by seven, I guess, I mean, my first thoughts are running to Seven Deadly Sins, a seven-year-old boy in the window, IQ of seven. <laughs> now, to clear all that from my mind, I'm going to think of Seven of Nine for a second. Uh, yeah, okay, we're good now. All right, so what do you got next? All right, next we're going to go to an actual lady, not one who dresses like one. Okay. And by lady, I'm using finger quotes here because I don't think she's truly a lady lady. Like, okay. etiquette, etiquette, lie, etiquette lies. Etiquette? Etiquette? Etiquette. etiquette. There we There's go. There's the yeah. word. <laughs> God damn. I know, right? Etiquette li- like okay. lies. Uh, we have Charlotte. Ah, the Lady Flair. Yes. And this is going to be, the song title is called Recognition. And I'm going to put this out here in the front. I am not a fan of hers. I just, she has talent. Absolutely. Yes. Is she using the success for dad, Hall of Famer Ric Flair? I couldn't find the exact stats, but I'm sure you know them off the top of your head, like how many millions of titles he's won. Uh, not number of titles, but I do know he he has been 16 times world champ. And he is twice inducted into the Hall of Fame, correct? Correct. Once as a horseman and then once as Ric Flair. Okay. And is she kind of piggybacking on that name a little bit? A little bit. She, I mean, she takes a recognition, but there was actually in a whole angle where she wanted to break that tie of mm-hmm. being, you know. So for when she first came up to the main roster from NXT, Daddy was at the ringside all the time. He was always there interfering in matches so she would win and she'd get the title and mm-hmm. all this stuff. But after, I think it was about four, five, six months, maybe something like that, she started to break ties with him. Mm-hmm. And then in kayfabe, she actually slapped him and beat him down in the ring nice. to break that tie. So, yes and no. Now, this is where, you know, I love what she did for the opening music. And we'll take a listen here right away. Now, what she did here, if you couldn't already tell, they took the music that Ric Flair used, yep. the uh, Dawn from Also Sprock Zarsastura. Sure. It's, it's it's a piece of classical music. By Strauss, which, as you know, I enjoy classical music. Yep. And added a bit of it and then remixed it. So it's still a tribute to her dad, but it's still her own because it has that remix, kind of the newer, um, updated version of it. It's not going to change my mind about how I feel about her, but I dig the tune. You know, now, I will say one thing about her character. I don't know much about Charlotte Flair herself, but her character is a badass heel. And that's exactly what she's supposed to be. You're not supposed to like her. No, and I, I completely understand that. I mean, that's just like back in the day with Triple H. I mean, Triple H was a, Triple H was a brick. Yeah. And he played the character to a T. But, but I think having her dad's blood in her, because <laughs> Ric Flair was one of the ultimate heels, too. Oh, yeah, always. One of the dirtiest heels there ever was. Dirtiest and, player in the game. Absolutely. I mean, he could he could nutshot you from the back from a mile away, and you'd never see it coming until it was too late. Absolutely. And the refs would never see it coming either. Well, that's because refs are half blind in one eye, and they can't see out of the other one. Well, and they've got glass jaws like you can't even imagine. Oh, I know. It is. I mean, you, is. you shoulder bump them or fart in their general direction, and they fall over and out of the ring. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. For like it's... 20 minutes, too. Yeah, I know. I've never seen somebody take a nut shot and be out for a half hour. Well, to be fair, though, if you took a nut shot, it's gonna—it's not going to be fast, but it's certainly not going to be for... Let's go to three commercial breaks before you get up. Right, right. So let's let's see what you got next for us. Well, I'm going to go old school here. The Dudley Boys. Oh, yes. So the Dudley Boys, Bubba Ray and Devon Dudley, or Team 3D, whatever incarnation you want to watch, they are amazing wrestlers and... Supposed half-brothers. There's actually a third one in there, too. I know you know about this. Oh, there's a lot of them. But, I mean, the three, there's there's three. Spike. Spike. I, I love Spike. I'm Spike sorry. Spike was great. Um, he was comic relief. He was a dork. Yeah, he was a small little dude. But anyway, their original theme was called Ollie Stalefish. Really? That's what it was called. Ollie Stalefish. Don't worry, folks. I didn't believe it either when I first heard it. <laughs> All right. Let's just take a listen.
So the Dudleys were quite possibly the most badass tag team I have ever seen wrestle. I know we're talking WWE, but their work in ECW was awesome and brutal. Their achievements throughout countless promotions is insane. However, in the WWE, they held the WWF slash WWE slash WCW tag titles 10 times. And that doesn't count for things like TNA, Ring of Honor, Mm -hmm. and other, you know, they worked in Japan and all these places. They held gold everywhere. Now, I know you're a big 3D fan. Oh, absolutely. You saw me with the little hand gesture here in the meantime. I'm sorry, but that was my favorite part. And as I'm going to mention in one of my next ones here, tag teams really never did it for me. Because they could be fun, but everything was almost too telegraphed. Well, you know, the thing with the the, the thing and the thing I hate about tag teams is you have the one guy who goes in there and gets his ass beat down every time. Yep. And then you make the tag and the other guy comes in and on a flourish, he gets the pin every time. Right. Or else he drags the one who's almost dead over there and throws him on top. Right. And it, like I said, the tags just really didn't do it for me. But when these guys are out there, they were fun to watch. And I'm sorry, there's there's just few words that get spouted that when you heard them, the hair on the back of your neck would stand up. And that was Devon, Devon get, get the, the tables. tables. And it was always Bubba Ray. Wasn't there a um, a side thing with Bubba Ray being in love with Stephanie? I think there was, now and that you was, mentioned And it. he had like those crazy eyes. He was creepy as shit. And it just didn't go anywhere because it was such a stupid line. But... I, I enjoyed the Dudleys, too. That The theme itself, especially the, the get the tables, they were one and of And that the... bomb. You know, when you hear that that, that falling bomb, the... Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, that every place I've ever seen, and I've actually seen the Dudleys live wrestle. Okay. When that hit, the place just fucking erupts. Oh, yeah. It goes nutballs. It is crazy. But anyway, what do you got up next? Next, I actually have part of um, one of my favorite tag teams, and that is Christian. Okay. Now, as we as you heard in the last time that we talked about the wrestling themes, Edge is one of my favorites, and he was one half of the Edge and Christian machine. Let's just call it that, because okay. it was. They were very highly... Did they ever have a tag name? I don't think they did. They were just always Edge and Christian. Yeah, I think you're right. And they were... Well... Edge and Christian were one of my favorite, as I mentioned before. And also, just tag teams were meh to me. You know, it's like, eh. Like, oh, look, we've got a stable. We've got, like, the Nation of Domination. Yeah, The Rock's in it, but eh, who cares? Yeah. Well, and at the time that The Rock was a Nation of Domination, nobody cared. Well, true. I'm just making an example, though. Right. I mean, if you've got, let's see, DX. I didn't even care for DX because, granted, what they did was funny as hell. It's just like, it's a tag team. And it's going to turn into a a tag team match that starts that way, but it's going to end up being a uh, interference match. Yeah, somebody's going to run in and fuck it up. Right, so I didn't so much care. However, when these guys came out, I friggin' loved it. I mean, Edge and Christian, granted, they used Edge's music to start off when they both came out, which is, I wanted to use that initially, but I'm like, that doesn't work, because I already did Edge. Right. So I decided to look around a bit, and I found this one. If you close your eyes, your life and make it truth revealed Take you never live, this scars never healed In the darkness, life will take you to the other side You find me waiting there, you'll see if you just close your eyes If you just close your And again, Edge and Christian, they were cads. They did what they wanted. They looked damn good doing it. And they had the, for the benefit of those who flash photography... The five-second pose. Loved it. And in every city, they would always berate whoever they went to. And the crowd ate it up. They just, they shoved it down their throats, and they just loved it. Every minute of it. Now, when I found this theme, I my first thoughts were, holy shit. This is Christian music? Yeah, in fact, he used this music during his Captain Charisma days. So it was as a solo wrestler, you know, after they had split Edge and Christian up. And, you know, Christian kind of got the short shrift when they split. He did get the short end of the stick. I mean, you can't, you can argue with this as much as you want. I mean, Christian, great wrestler, fun to watch. But I think Edge had more of the charisma of the two of them. Edge had more appeal to the women, I think. Well, and a lot of the men. Not me. It is what it is, but anyways. Um, anyway, how was how did you get the short end for your thoughts? Well, because they pushed they pushed Edge so hard, and they never really gave a push to Christian. He, they kind of went eh, mid card, if you're lucky. Mm-hmm. And then it was just kind of like 
they didn't give him they gave him the, the the crazy Captain Charisma character and then they gave him some sort of whiny crybaby character and then he was off TV and fired and went did something else and then came back when he was in TNA they used him he wasn't a main I mean he's still a mid carter and he probably should be a mid carter mm-hmm. you know for the most part because he's technically sound but there's just something about him that I and I think it's because of what WWE did to him that People just don't give him the benefit of the doubt. No, and I like the fact that um, Edge pushed him in the respect that they he knew, because Edge and Christian in real life are best friends. Yeah, and they grew up together, didn't oh, they? Yeah, I believe so, up in Canada. Canada. But it's, I mean, if you go by the real names, it's, you know, Adam and Jason, I think, are the their real names. Adam uh, Copeland and Jason Riso, I think it is. I think you're right. And they... Um, Edge always pushed, even if they wouldn't give Christian the benefit, he would step back and actually give Christian more screen time. Yeah. And that's another thing that I really cared about for Edge and Christian themselves. Getting back with the man of the hour here, like I said, I found it and I was like, holy crap, it's rock and it's got such an urgent sound. The The song itself is just like, we're going to go hard, we're going to go fast, This is we need to do this now. And I, I personally have a feeling that if they would have used this earlier, he would have done better going solo. Possibly. I mean, music does have some effect. I don't know if it affects the way that the bookers deal with you, though. But it will have an effect on how people will rap to you. Correct. And the universe, the, the uh, you know, the, uh, what do they call themselves? The, WW, w, the WWE universe. Right. They have a lot of pull. I mean, just this a little off topic, but fucking James Ellsworth. Yeah. <laughs> Guy's a stooge and he's got a contract because the universe saw him as a jobber and went well this would be fun so that's that's what i have to say one half of my favorite tag team ever um love his music and just love what he's done for the business excellent so what do you got next well i've got one of those classic wrestlers uh retired guy stone cold steve austin oh hell yeah so stone cold is a mean son of a bitch so says jim ross He'll stomp a mud hole in you and walk it dry. Another Rossism. Oh, yeah. Good old JR. Good old JR. Now, I'm going I'm to stop here for a second. JR, I love that guy on commentary. He is an amazing commentary guy. It didn't matter if he was in the WCW and the WWE. He did some work for TNA. He did work for Ring of Honor, I think. So you obviously enjoy uh, him, and I, I love JR. Who is your favorite to sit next to him? The Who King. You- Okay, I was I was hoping that you would say that because him, uh, Jr. and the King were announcers for me. I mean, Cole when he got with him was okay, and Cole and King were okay, but Jr. and the King were second to none. I like Cole now. I did not like Cole when he first started. Really? Yeah, I just I don't know. Well, because like back then he was like so prim and proper, nice guy, everything else. Now he's a dick. Yeah, I know. And that's why you like him. <laughs> Anyway, so truth be told, Stone Cold Steve Austin ruled the Attitude Era of the WWE. He was the Attitude Era. Well, his theme song was unmistakable from the glass shattering to the police sirens in the background and thumping music. Let's listen to Hell Frozen Over, his classic ring entrance song. Now, his accolades are like few others. He's had classic battles with The Rock and Kurt Angle, to name a few. Pick a headliner in the Attitude Era and Stone Cold fought him, and most likely kicked his ass. He was the one-time million-dollar champ, WWF champ six times, WWF uh, Intercontinental champ two times, four-time WWF tag team champ with Shawn Michaels, Dude Love, The Undertaker, and Triple H. Uh, 1996 King of the Ring, 97, 98, 2001 Royal Rumble winner, and 2009 he was inducted into WWE Hall of Fame, where, quite honestly, he deserves to be. I agree. Regardless of what you think of the guy, I was not a huge Stone Cold fan, but there's something about that shattering glass that your your spine gets a little bit straighter, and you just kind of like, you know something's coming, and it's going to be it's exciting. It's a little bit of a pucker. Yeah. You know, and you had mentioned on the Dudley drop, you hear the bomb and the crowd erupted. Once that glass broke, it doesn't matter if he walked out or not. You could break the glass and the crowd's still going to lose their shit. Yeah, yeah. They're like, they're like, um, 
Oh, what is that? Uh, Pavlov's dog. Yep, exactly. <laughs> now, I wasn't a huge mark for Stone Cold. I liked what he did. I I thought it was entertaining. I mean, he was the badass that everybody wanted to be, but he was the likable badass, you know? He was, and um, when he turned to the corporation and became a stooge for McMahon, I hated that angle. Oh, yeah. But my favorite segment with him is when he drove the beer truck out. <laughs> I was thinking about that myself, And just actually. sprayed the ring and everybody around it. I mean, if you were in the first five rows anywhere you near that hosed. ring, you got hosed down with that watered-down, nasty-ass beer. Now, the two things in the Attitude Era that I loved, and this was actually a piggyback on that one, was when Kurt Angle came out Did it with the milk, the milk truck. truck? That was awesome, too. And it was just like... How is it? I mean, I understand that Kurt Angle's supposed to be like the good guy because I think he was he was babyface at the time. Yeah, that was when he still had his hair and whatever else before he started doing the ankle locks and everything else. Right. But then the second one was it shouldn't have worked. It honestly should not have worked, but it worked fabulously, and that was the who hit Stone Cold. Oh, who ran over Stone Cold. The, the 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 angle that ended with it being Rikishi. Yes, it should not have worked. It should not have lasted as long as it did. But they cut so many good promos, like The Rock talking to Mick Foley in right. different languages. I did not run over Stone Cold. If you remember that one, it's like, let me tell you in Chinese. And yeah. he just speaks this just made-up language, and that's just The Rock being The Rock. Right. It went on way too long, but it was entertaining. It didn't feel like it went on. It was. And and the thing about it is there was they pointed the fingers at so many people that even as a viewer, someone like me who – goes beyond just the show mm -hmm. and knows what's going on to a certain degree. It was like, who the hell did it? And this was pre-internet, too. I mean, the internet was still early. So, I mean, right. if you wanted to search, there wasn't nearly the information that there is now. No, and I and I didn't do it like I did now. But even going back and looking at what was out there, you know, the, uh, the, um, the wrestling observer sheets and all these things yep. that you could have ordered as a fan mm -hmm. that I didn't know about. Of course. None of them had the right person. I mean, fucking Rikishi? Now, don't get me wrong. How do you fit in the car anyways? <laughs> Rikishi and um, Scotty Tuhati and... Grandmaster Sexay? Sexay? Do you know who Grandmaster Sexay is? Isn't that the King's kid or something? Yeah, it's Jerry Lawler's kid. Nice. But it was like the three of them and, you know, Too Hot, or what were they called? Yeah, Too Hot. Um, uh, too Cool. Too Cool. I love that group, but Rikishi really... Rikishi's the wheel man. Hey, you know what? It's a scapegoat. <laughs> It is. Anyway, what do you got up next? Next, we have... It's time to stand back. There's a hurricane coming. <laughs> Shane Helms. I, I don't know what his real name is, but... It's Shane Helms. Oh, well, I figured that because I, you wouldn't really give me a, a bullshit name otherwise. <laughs> well, I might. <laughs> it's like when I go to a strip club and they say, what's your name? And I say, Lou. Oh, we haven't seen you in a while. <laughs> no, the, this one, the eye of the hurricane, he was... Let's just be real. The hurricane was a dork. He was he was a comedy wrestler. He was a comedy wrestler. He was a mask wearing superhero wrestler. Didn't really have the most talent out there, but he was devoted. I mean, he was right onto it. I mean, hell, the guy came into the industry with a Green Lantern tattoo on his arm. Yep. So they ran with it. So let's just take a listen to what they put up for him. Stand back. There's a hurricane coming through. He came in. He didn't. He cut more promos than wrestled. Actually, I mean. Oh yeah. I mean, he really wasn't a mat guy. And then he got a sidekick in Molly Holly, who I crushed on hard. I can see that. Um, the blonde hair was nice. The short brown hair, not the black hair, but the brown. Oh god. And I just have to say, her and Lita, man, you can keep the rest of them back then. Nowadays, on the other hand, there's a lot more eye candy. Yeah, you know, and there's one other sidekick he had, Rosie who was his superhero in training, which was the funniest get-up, because he had, you know, like the superhero outfit on it, and he's mm -hmm. a big Samoan dude. And it, it said, superhero in training. So you had shit spelled down the side. <laughs> now, now that you mention that, I think I remember that. The the character of Rosie was played by um, Roman Reigns' brother, who just happened to pass away this past week. That was kind of a sad moment, and that's why I thought I'd bring it up along with the hurricane, because that's where he was really... He was also part of Three Minute Warning, if you okay. remember that. Tag Stable, I think it was three guys. But So it was just one of those things, you know, he uh, he was a big Samoan dude, and those big Samoan dudes tend to 
die early, unfortunately. That they do. Uh, so rest in peace, Roman Reigns' brother, Rosie. Rosie. Now, with this music, I have to say the the music they put for him, it just sounded very much like you'd hear in a comic book movie. Oh, God, yeah. I mean, it was triumphant. It was just, I mean, it almost like it was like the Avengers type movie. Yeah. Or music, yeah. I mean, where you've got a superhero, and even if it's this cheesy-ass, like, wind thing like they had in the Superman movie back in the 70s, which it was, if you recall, as Titantron, the music was just so perfect for the accompaniment, you couldn't go wrong with it. And, no, yeah, you're absolutely right. And again, not the greatest wrestler, not the most best technician, but he was entertaining as hell to watch, and I think they captured the niche market with that. I really do. Yeah, I think I think you're actually right. I mean, I was a I was a mark for the hurricane. I thought he was funny as hell, and you know, as a as a uh, cruiserweight, he wasn't a bad wrestler when he uh, actually came up with the Hardy Boys. He okay. actually uh, wrestled with them in. Whichever Carolina they're from. North, I think. I think I think you're right. I think it's North Carolina. You know, he was part of that group of wrestlers, too. Okay. So he was part of, uh, what was it called? Omega Wrestling, I believe that was the group oh, yeah. they had out there. I have nothing bad to say about the hurricane. Cool. Well, it's, I mean, hurricanes hit North Carolina every now and then, and <laughs> fortunately this one was entertaining when it did. There you go. So what do you got next? All right, so here comes the money. The son of the chairman, Shane O'Mac, whatever you want to call him. He's an accomplished businessman. He's a minority owner of the WWE and vice chairman of Westcast Holdings, Inc., which is actually a American company in China that brings pay-per-view TV to the country of China. And it's a, it's a, it's a company he started on his own. Okay. He's also... One crazy part-time wrestler doing things that some full-time wrestlers won't do. Elbow drops from the Titantron and flying from the top rope to the announce table. It's only fitting that his theme song is called Here Comes the Money. Listen to it. If you can afford it. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talk. Here comes the money. So being the owner's son doesn't mean you have everything handed to you. If you're a McMahon, you work your way up. Shane started out as a referee and then worked in the office. Then finally got in the ring, and even though he's the chairman's son, he's only held two titles, and they are mid-level at best. He was the one-time European title holder and one-time hardcore champ. He got his ass beat, too. I mean, I seen the one I remember was when I believe he got thrown through the glass of the King of the Ring. Yes, but did you see the bump he took before that? Because the first time that Angle suplexed him, the glass didn't, didn't break. break. Yeah. And he landed right on his head. Yeah, he, he was probably suffering pretty hardcore concussion, concussion yeah. protocol there. No, McMahon, I with the... Um, with the happy feet that he would always do, the little jabs and dance and everything. He still does that. Oh, yeah. And the guy's like, how old now? 46, 47. A little older than us. Yeah, not, not, not much. much older than us. I mean, the, the guy is on par with Foley Crazy. Just not yeah. quite there, but he's up there. And he they, saves the moneymaker, unlike Foley. There you go. But then again, <laughs> what, you're right. He's got business meetings. That's why he can't. Yeah, exactly. He can't grow a beard over it. So, <laughs> but yeah, no. I mean, Shane O'Mac. He's always been interesting to me. When he started out as the the something something posse, the something street posse. When oh, Mean Street Posse. Mean Street Posse. Yes. That's when he first started wrestling. And even back then, I knew there was something about him that would make him a special wrestler. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, and then they did the angle where he was the office guy who came down and beat people up to protect his dad and, you know, all yeah. that kind of stuff. But the dude's got talent. He can wrestle a match. We found out this last year at WrestleMania, it wasn't it wasn't some sort of a statistic match. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't um, tables and chairs because he does that kind of shit mm-hmm. fantastically. But it was a straight up wrestling match with AJ Styles, one of the best guys in the industry right now. And 20 minute match. I mean, you watched it. It yep. was it was good start to finish. Yes, absolutely. Um, who won that one, anyways? Um, I think it was AJ, wasn't it? Yeah, AJ won. And and that makes sense. They're they're pushing AJ right now. So well, that and he's the, one of the chairman or one of the um, he's a higher up. He isn't really a wrestler. He's yeah yeah he's he's an office guy. I mean, really. It's like just like when Triple H comes out. I mean, he's an office guy. I mean, for him to wrestle, it's like. Okay, cool, but we're not going to pin anything on you because you don't belong out there anymore. Right. It's like Triple H, if he, I mean, if Triple H beats somebody at this point, that person's done. <laughs> it's a retirement match. Yeah, I mean, because 
right now with the the match he put on at WrestleMania with uh, Seth Rollins mm-hmm. and the way I mean it was a brutal match. Oh, it was. And but the fact that he put Seth Rollins over, you know, and made his shirt the King Slayer worth you know having. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it was just one of those things. Now these guys, him, the Undertaker, the Undertaker put Roman Reigns over at uh, WrestleMania. These guys that are now leaving the industry or wrestling part-time mm-hmm. are doing it to put the new guys over and to get them to be as much in our brains as the guys. Planting the seeds. Yeah. As, sowing the seeds. Uh, as these guys were 10 years ago. Exactly. So. So I'm going to go with my next one, and that is with the genetic jackhammer, and that is Mr. McMahon. <laughs> Now, I'm going to start this with, if you don't know who Mr. McMahon is, then you need to turn this podcast off right now because you don't know shit about wrestling. Fair enough, yeah. Seriously. He's the boss. He's the Vincent gra- Kennedy Ken- McMahon. Jr., isn't he? No, because his dad's middle name was James. But he does, he, some, he used to go by, he used to say it was Jr., though. I think they did. I think that was just an angle. Ah, that was okay. a kayfabe thing. I don't think he is technically a junior. Anyways, the Grand Poobah. He's the guy who took it over slash bought it from his dad and turned it into the billion-dollar empire it is today with the help of his kids and some amazing staff, which we talked about earlier, uh, JR and... Jerry the King Jerry, Lawler. Jerry the King Lawler. I mean, Bobby Heenan. Ross. Day, Ross, etc. As the boss, and especially during the Attitude Era, um, the characters he plays was a spiteful, vindictive, and vicious guy who basically got whatever the hell he wanted. Let's just take a quick listen. No chance that's what Per the song, No Chance in Hell, you know, really, he makes the rules, and if what he wants or doesn't want, it's just the way it is, you know? If you want something that he doesn't want you to have, you've got no chance in hell of having it. (laughs) During the Attitude Era, I remember just some of the things that he had that would not fly today, obviously, was getting Trish Stratish to bark like a dog and making people join the Kiss My Ass Club. Yeah. Which... This, and again, the song is evident of the mentality, the fact that you do not cross the boss. Because if that happens and you survive it, more power to you. But the chances of that happening are pretty damn slim. Yeah. So I did a quick search here on the interwebs. Okay. So it's a little confusing. So his father went by Vincent J. McMahon Sr. However, he just goes by Vincent Kennedy McMahon. Maybe he's a junior? <laughs> Depending on which name he goes by, it could be. I guess. No. I have to say this about Vince, though. You see him walking out in the suits and everything else and wherever else he's got a swagger and everything that stra- else. The old grapefruits, they call them. Yeah, oh, yeah. But then you see him in that tank top. That fucker is ripped. Yeah, and he Holy just turned shit. 71 years old. You know, even even before. I mean, Attitude Era was 2000, so that was 10, 15 years ago. Yeah. About. Even back then, it looked like, holy crap. Wow. I mean, I'm half that age, and I look like shit compared to that. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So no, uh, you know, and Vince is one of those characters. Now, supposedly behind the scenes, he's one of the nicest guys you'll ever run into. Mm-hmm. I mean, he is very focused on making money and making a product and all that kind of stuff. But he's a really nice guy. But his characters, oh. whether it's whether it was Mr. McMahon or Vince McMahon, he is a heel and always has been a heel. There, there, and there's nothing good about his character. I mean, no. there really is not. He is the black heart. That goes all the way to the, you're fired. (laughs) Exactly. So, you know, I love Vince McMahon as a character. I love Mm -hmm. his character because, you know, heels are fun. They are. And, you know, he played it in such a perfect way. I mean, there's there's, money is not the root of all evil. Vince McMahon was the root of all evil. (laughs) I mean, come on. The guy had a match between him and his son against Shawn Michaels and God. (laughs) <laughs> do you remember that i don't actually it was it was this big build-up that he had found this partner for Shawn michaels and you get there and i think it might have even been a wrestlemania like an x7 or an x8 okay sean shows up and he's waiting for his partner and vince introduces his partner as god because <laughs> 
And then they proceed to beat down Shawn Michaels and beat him. Mm-hmm. So then Vince McMahon was more powerful than God. Of course. I mean, that's how far the Attitude Era went. I, I, I appreciate now, but I miss those days. I really do. I understand wanting to make it more accessible for everybody, but I really miss the Attitude Era, which is why I like going back and watching that stuff. Honestly, during the Attitude Era, I was a WCW mark. And I wasn't going to watch those damn WWE guys, because... So imagine when you saw Triple H and Shawn Michaels rolling into WCW Arena. That was amazing. That was one of the first times in a long time I flipped the channel and went, what the hell is going on in WWE? You know? You and countless other... I think, wasn't that like <laughs> where the crossover went, where it kind of started going downhill for WCW? Yes and no. There, there's a whole long story there, history. A, there's a chart, though, that actually shows. And I yeah, think, oh yeah. I think that, that was could like be one crosses. of the That could have been one of the cruxes, absolutely. So what do you got next? All right, so up next... Well, actually, everything I have left, we're actually going to go to WCW. The faction of the WCW stable NWO, the Wolfpack. The New World Order had honestly just grown too big, and so they had to split the group and did this by creating internal strife. The original three split, with Hulk Hogan and Scott Hall staying black and white, while Kevin Nash and a few others went red and black. Let's listen to the Wolf Pack is back. Yes, you see the bad boys wrestling. Just in competition when the war that's the mission. Not no mercy. See the race like the street. If you don't know, you better find out the Wolf Pack. A point number one, just believe that you don't want to toss it with them. I'll be here for them. Come in the ring with them, you're never walking out again. So you're back on the wolf pack. So you're back on the wolf pack. I know we're calling this a wrestling theme, but I have an argument for why this would even qualify as a WWE theme. So the Wolfpack had several members that made the transition from WCW to WWE, and since the WWE now owns the WCW catalog, uh, they are technically WWE superstars. I suppose. When the Wolfpack started working against the Hollywood faction, I was hooked. For several reasons, but the two big were Conan and Sting. They both they both went red and black, and so did I. <laughs> so, are you familiar with the wrestler Conan? I am not. I was actually about to ask you about that. Okay, he's a... He's a um, Mexican wrestler. Okay. Now he works as a manager for uh, Lucha Underground. Okay. Uh, but he was just one of these guys. He was like he was like part of a L.A. gang. That was his backstory, and he had worked his way out and became a wrestler. And he was just he was a, just a great cruiserweight. I just loved watching him. Okay. And it was just fun. So, but anyway, you know the NWO became this gigantic pool of talent. It was like literally half the roster was NWO. So they really didn't have any stringent uh, rules for getting in, huh? Basically, you had to be asked. Which apparently they asked every friggin' person out there. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> well, we'll talk about, well, we'll talk about one of the guys, but the guy that really stood up to the WW, or to the NWO, um, the very first guy to stand up to the NWO was Diamond Dallas Page. Okay. And he got beat down after beat down for his, for his troubles. Sting stood up to the NWO, um, though he eventually gave in and went red and black. Mm-hmm. But it was just one of those things. Um, and we're going to talk about both those guys yet because I was a WCW mark. So I have to ask because you're a WCW mark. All right. So the original NWO that I always see mm-hmm. is the, the main three. Hall, Nash, and Hogan. Yep. Who was your favorite? Nash. Really? Hands down. Oh, yeah. Like, just Nash Nash, or like Diesel Nash, or just... Just Nash Nash. Kevin Nash in the WCW. I loved him. Okay. He... I like his work as Diesel. Mm-hmm. I liked his work, not his gimmick, as Oz, where they dressed him up as a big fucking wizard. Jesus, seriously? Seriously. And, like... And you wonder why WCW went down. Like, emerald robes. Oh, my God. <laughs> Like I said, you wonder why WCW went to hell. No, I, I mean, looking at it in retrospect, I can see exactly why WCW went to hell. Uh, too much money and not enough control. Well. That's really what it came down to. I would have to say, not that you asked, but um, it, I didn't at the time, but I liked Razor Ramon. Now, Razor Ramon. He was WWF. Yep. I, I know did, that. I No, I was, what I was going to say is Scott Hall, Razor mm-hmm. Ramon. He's fantastic. He was a great wrestler. I just like Nash better. He had a lot of personal problems. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, the little vignettes that Razor Ramon did with the, the little toothpick and had that just, that drawling, like, south-central L.A., like, uh, Hispanic accent yep. in the lowrider. 
at the time, again, at the time, I didn't care for it, but now the more back I go and watch, I'm just like, okay, that's pretty entertaining. Now, when you talk about his personal demons, here's here's the uh, here's the big one. Did you know he killed a man? I read that actually. Yeah, he uh, in self defense, but he shot a man to death. I mean, and I wonder if that has some sort of a catalyst for all his other problems. It's got away in your mind. You would think so. I mean, it's usually it's the people who, you know, usually there's a serious problem if you do and you don't think about it. I mean, unless you get some kind of hypnosis or whatever that gets it out of your head. But, I mean, I don't know about you, but if, if that something like that were to happen, even in self-defense, I'd be torn up. Oh, I yeah, I would be. It would be years be a of... a lot of therapy. Yeah, absolutely. What do you got next? Next, I'm going to go with Seth freaking Rollins. There we go. Um, you know, I don't know what to make of Seth Rollins. I really don't. I mean, he really, I watched him. I don't know if he's really good or bad. Well, he has now made the face turn. It's a complete face turn. He is now face. Was he, was his face turn because he beat Triple H? That had a lot to do with it. Okay. Now, I really wasn't sure what to think about him, and he almost didn't make my list. Okay. Because I was listening. I'm trying to find someone, and I'm like, all right, fine. The name kept coming up. I'm trying to think of, you know, basically people that are high and kind of up and comers. Right. But the thing about Seth Rollins is... I can almost guarantee the minute you heard his music, you're like, that's in. Oh, you are 100% correct on this one. His song is called Second Coming. Well, let's just listen. It's hard, it's fast, it simply rocks. It's the perfect music that you get pumped up to as you're watching the guy enter the enter the ring, watch him walk down the ramp, and getting ready to smack the hell out of whatever's in his way. It's just it's it just like him kicks ass. It oh yeah, really does. And again, I wasn't a big fan I, when I watched WrestleMania when he was up against Triple H. Of course, I wanted the older people to win because I'm an older person. And and you know those guys. And I do exactly. And that it was just like ah oh, Seth Rollins. Eh, you know, as whatever. much as I am a, a, a Triple H mark, mm-hmm. and I have been for a long, long time, I wanted him to lose to Seth Rollins. Okay. Because all these guys are getting old, and though it might be fun to watch Hogan get in a ring or to watch Ric Flair get into a ring, it's not anymore. It's, it's kind of it's almost like a cripple fight. Yeah. And it's, it's time for the changing of the guard, but, again, you don't want it well, to... Well, 10 years ago it. was time for changing the guard. Yeah, but, you know, you just don't want it to happen. You know, just no, like that's true. with The Undertaker. I mean, I would have I would rather him wrestle until the day he dies, or I die, whichever comes first. But, well, he's the dead man, so... Yeah, but that's just not fair. I mean, they have to live their lives, they have to retire eventually, and as much as it hurt to do that, because it was kind of a piece of my history falling away, it had to be done. And right. Just like this. You know, there's the, the the problem is, and and I think the problem is in the psyche of the way they sell these guys to us. Mm-hmm. The Undertaker, I mean, he, he's the dead man. He can't be hurt. He doesn't feel pain. You know what? Bullshit. Mark Calloway feels pain. Oh, yeah. The Undertaker doesn't feel a damn thing, but Mark Calloway is, <laughs> you could look at his hospital records and you probably have to have volume one, two, and three. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, the dude's 50-some years old, 51, I think, 52, something like that. He looks good for being 50-plus years old, though, I'll tell you what. Absolutely, he does. But that takes a toll on your body, and you do it for 30 years. You do it for 20 years. Well, and how many times a week, how many times a month, et cetera? I mean, he's got a chance. They all need a chance to live also. Well, and that's the thing is there's – I don't know if you've seen it on Facebook, but there is a shirt now that they're trying to pimp out for The Undertaker, you know, with his retirement and stuff. Right. 2,500 and some odd matches in his career. Oh, my God. Just as The Undertaker. That doesn't include the time before that. Mean Mark Callis. Yeah, all those. So it was a little over 2,500 matches in his time in the WWE. He had actually a pretty good winning streak. He was uh, 1,717 wins. Wow. So I'm like, that's like 66%, give or take. I'm, I'm bad at math. It's just under 50, I think. 17, oh, no, no never 25? Mind. Never mind, I was thinking something different. So, yeah. <laughs> so, things like that. But, anyway, what what else you got to say about Seth? Well, and Seth, they really don't have a hell of a lot more to say. I mean, really, he just, he came over and he kind of, his music has won me over. 
Yeah, it's, and it's going to make me kind of want to watch him more. And he's going to be part of the new guard. Mm-hmm. You know, him and Roman Reigns. Was and... he part of the Shield? Yes, he was. Okay. And I did not like the Shield. I only knew it, and I'll be honest, and this is going to sound goofy, but because of the video game that I play. Okay. The it talked about the Shield and everything else, and I really didn't know so much about it. Well, I knew that it was him and Roman Reigns, and I thought there was one more person. Yeah, Dean Ambrose. Okay. Oh, that crazy bastard. Yeah. I kind of like him just because he's fucking nutbar. I like the Lunatic Fringe. I do. I, I'm a Dean, Dean Ambrose fan. However, his music blows chunks, so it's not going to make the cut. Oh, it does. Um, <laughs> I appreciate what he does as being crazy. I think he does crazy just a little bit better than Mankind did. But in a without the, in a without the loss of hair. If In a different way. Because Dean Ambrose is just kind of like wild man crazy. Whereas Mick Foley as Mankind was just kind of a psychopath crazy. It's kind of like comparing Jokers, you know? Yeah. Mankind would, like, rip hair out and shit. He, he, the guy... But my question, I always wondered if that was just, like, some hair that he tucked into that mask. Or extensions or something? Yeah. Because I'm like, if you sit there and pull hair out of your head every fucking night, you're an idiot. That, and I'm sorry, but I've had my hair pulled before. I mean, obviously we both have our hair cut short right now. But that fucking hurts. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I can't, I mean, granted. Only one thing hurts worse. And that's when they try to pull your beard hair out. I have little girls. Or I did have little girls at one time. That shit hurts. Nah, okay. Beard hair, not so much. Mustache hair. That shit hurts even more. Yeah, yeah. And I'll, I'll tug on my goatee all day long, but if you Well, there's a one... difference between tugging and a little kid grabbing, like, you know, six little hairs and trying to rip it out of your face. Yeah, that being said, you know, you take about maybe right below your nostrils, that spot right there. Oh, yeah, that would suck. Oh, my God. That brings tears to your eyes. <laughs> Anyways, moving on. What do you got next? Well, up next, like I said, another WCW guy. I could talk about Sting for hours. I uh, know. Matches, interviews, and... and Everything. I got stung by the sting bug early on. Was that like when he was the colorful or the yes. black and white? No, no. The first time I saw him come out in the bleached flat top and colorful face paint, I was hooked. Steve Borden, a.k.a. Sting, was an amazing wrestler. Even in a world of mediocre wrestlers, he was the standout. Later given a new look, that of the crow from the movie of the same name, with a darker persona came the darker theme song. This one is called Slay Me. Let's listen. So later, given the name The Icon, Sting eventually did wrestle in the WWE. He was around for about a year and was injured and retired. He debuted in 1985 and retired in 2016. That's approximately 30 years of ring work. His accolades are too many to talk about here. However, he is enshrined in the WWE Hall of Fame and was done so in 2016. Now, is he the only one who has ever been Sting? Yes. Okay, so it's not like an Ultimate Warrior thing where they have multiple people playing the Ultimate Warrior? And actually, that is an urban legend. Is it? There was only one Ultimate Warrior. Okay. But Sting, there were imposter Stings during some of the NWO Mm, things, but nobody even believed it was Sting. (laughs) Because the guy actually came out wearing a a mask, not even like face painted. But they didn't have him come down from the rafters or anything? No. So what was the deal with the bat? It was just... That was just his. That was just his weapon of choice against the NWO. Because they kept trying to beat him down. They trying. They kept beating him down. I mean, for a long time they were trying to get. They tried to get him to join. They tried to get him to join. And then they brought out the fake Sting, and the audience bought that Sting had become NWO. I mean, it was really bad. So then Sting had a temper tantrum, and that's when he changed from the. His hair had already started to grow out, so the bleached blonde flat top was gone, but he still had the colorful face makeup. Mm-hmm. And then he disappeared from TV for like a year, okay. and it was due to injury and whatever. And during that year, he grew his hair out, and they decided that they wanted to, that he wanted to change his persona. You know, he had been Sting, the, the, the flat top face makeup from his early days, when he actually wrestled in a tag team with, um, with uh, the Ultimate Warrior. Okay. They, they went for this Crow look because the Crow movie had just come out and it was a huge success. And when he first started coming back to TV, he, you know, they was up in the rafters. Mm-hmm. One, of the, one of the coolest things I ever saw is he's up in the rafters. The camera finds him and they go up to the rafters and he's got a fucking condor sitting on his arm. A condor. <laughs> I'm like, 
Okay, I get the crow thing, but a condor? They couldn't get a crow to stay, apparently. And that had to be the most drugged condor ever, because it was just kind of like there, and its head was kind of hanging. I'm like, okay. His tongue sticking out. And <laughs> they, they morphed him into this guy. And then for the next year, he didn't talk. He didn't say a word on the mic, which for that character was completely different. So nobody knew. He became this enigma. And he became this guy that everyone's like, what's going on? Is he NWO? Is he not NWO? And then there was a match going on, and he comes out of the rafters on the on the zip cord, drops into the ring, and just starts pounding the shit out of people with a bat. I was still hooked. <laughs> you know? And then he worked for TNA for a while, and then he came to the WWE, and then unfortunately Seth Rollins uh, injured him in one of their matches, and he decided to, you know, after 30 years to hang, hang it up. Boots. Yeah. So, I don't know, what do you think of Sting? You know, and the only real, I saw a little bit of him with the colorful, but the more that I really knew about was the bat-wielding crow. Okay. And as a wrestler, I really never saw him wrestle. I only seen him, every time I seen video, because again, I was more of a WWE versus WCW, anytime I ever saw any video of him, it was always him standing in the ring with his black duster. And threatening people with a bat. I'm like, well, that's all well and cool, but why don't you fucking do something? Well, I can fix your lack of... I still have your DVDs. <laughs> you haven't watched them yet? No. I've been working on podcast stuff. Oh, sure. Bring that up. <laughs> all right, so what do you got next? Well, speaking of flat tops, we got John Cena. <laughs> He's a bad, bad man. You're a prick. <laughs> I'm going to say this. Ever since I got back into this, I'm going to freely admit I've been a, I've been a Cena mark. I've been a Cena Mark from day one. Well, see, you've been in this longer than I have, too, though. That's true. Not because we share a birthday. Not because of all the amazing things he's done for charity when not in the ring. And certainly not because of the Thugonomics gimmick. Okay, fair enough. I like the Thugonomics gimmick. But you know what? you got to give him props for one more thing. Hmm. The woman he's going to marry. Well, yeah. Well, <laughs> that's his second marriage, I thought. It is. So, but I became a mark because he's one of the most charismatic wrestlers behind the microphone today and has these skills to back it up in the ring. Let's just take a quick listen to his intro. I'm not really a hip-hop fan. You know that from our other podcast, but I do enjoy this intro, which also got me into his recorded, mer- uh, recorded material, including the aforementioned Bad Bad Man. <laughs> and thank you, Chad, you fucker. <laughs> yeah, you fucker. You brought her. Where? <laughs> got a mouse in your pocket? <laughs> Anyways, no, I've, I've always enjoyed Cena. I just I think he's funny. The five-knuckle shuffle, shuffle is a goofy gimmick. But it's no more goofy than the people's elbow. Fair enough. The people's I mean, elbow. The, the fact that that was a finisher. It takes like 20 minutes. I know. I mean, you, gr- granted, whoever's sitting in one of the front rows gets a free souvenir out of it. That would be cool as shit. You know, getting a sweaty elbow band, I guess, from The Rock. As long as you can Really? Prove, how cool is that? It's still a souvenir, man. You just, you'd have to be like, okay, so I'm in the front row. Bring along my silver Sharpie. And then afterwards, track The Rock down. Well, I don't think he would sign it. But at the same time, if you're in the front row, you know that you're going to get some camera time. Well, why wouldn't he sign it? Well, fair enough. I don't know how these how the matches really work. But anyways, it took forever. And the five-knuckle shuffle, again, it's one of those where it's, it's funny to watch the whole you-can't-see-me thing. It's silly, but it's entertaining at the same time. It I, is. And the fact that him and Nikki Bella at WrestleMania, they did it together. Mm-hmm. That was one of the coolest. And and yes, I'm I'm marking here, but that was one of the coolest little setups that I've ever seen. If you could see Chad right now, he's got like the cutest, biggest little dimples on his cheek because he's so happy about it. Hey, man, love makes me happy. <laughs> no, it was very cool. It was neat. Um, I think the stuff that The Miz and his scary looking wife did. Murray's. I call her a scary-looking wife because really? I think she's scary. You think she's scary? I think she's kind of hot. Uh, you can keep her. I'm well, not, I don't want her. I'm not interested. I don't want her. Partially then. because The Miz is something to do with her, and, I, and <laughs> I've never cared for The Miz. No, no. Um, that being said, however, the mocking of it was pretty entertaining. But getting back to the man of the hour, I dig Cena. I think his music works out perfect. He may not be a Grammy-winning rap artist, but he does pretty decent for what he does, and it works for his persona. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, maybe once he's done wrestling, because I figure 
He's gone part-time already because he's doing movies. Mm-hmm. I figure within the next five to ten years, he's going to have to hang up the boots. And, you know, after that, who knows? Maybe he will have a recording thing. Or, or at least producing. Yeah, something. I tell you what, though. I don't know if you've seen a lot of Cena's movies. 12 Rounds was actually pretty damn good. I haven't seen all of the Marine yet, but he does pretty good when he's in the movies. I'm trying to think if I've seen any of the... I, I think I've seen a... Oh, what was the comedy one he did? <sighs> uh, anyway, I, I think there was a comedy movie that he was in. Maybe it was the one with Big Show. I think he was. I think he had a part in Knuckleheads. I didn't watch it. Isn't that he's like a like a Christian like re, big wrestler or whatever? When yeah, he just plays this big dumb idiot. I mean, but anyway, um, I'm gonna wrap this one up with probably my second favorite wrestler of all time, right behind Sting. Okay. Diamond Dallas Page. All right. The nobody, the everyman, known as the hardest worker in professional wrestling. Did you know he didn't begin his wrestling career until he was 35 years old? Really? The first time he stepped in the ring, he was 35 years old. Wow. His final match as a legacy entrant in the Andre the Giant Battle Royal at WrestleMania 32, he was four days short of his 60th birthday. Holy crap. Must be all that yoga he does. Yeah, I mean, that's huge. He'll, he'll tell you that. He, um, and, you know, he actually got into wrestling after he played basketball, and he got into basketball because he blew his knee out playing football. <laughs> oh, I, I'm trying to follow that. Okay, so according to the story that he told, he played football, and at the age of, like, 12 or 13, he got hit, blew out, tore his ACL, his MCL, blew out his knee. They actually had to remove part of his kneecap. So they told him he couldn't play football anymore. So he was trying to find a sport he could play. And they decided, his doctors at the time, decided that basketball is not a contact sport. But have you ever watched basketball? I try not to. Okay, but the, you know, the the picks and all this kind of stuff, not only that, but the the constant jumping up and down. Oh, it's horrible on the knees. Right. So he started playing basketball. He was able to do that, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. He went on to college, played basketball at college. And then he opened a bar. He had a nightclub. And a lot of the wrestlers went through there because it was in New Jersey. So whenever the wrestling groups came through, he was known as the place to go. Nice. And he always wanted to be a wrestler. And they told him, they kept telling him, he's too old. He's too old. And so he decided, well, or somebody somebody said to him, why don't you try being a manager? So he cut these promo tapes and sent them off. And they uh, hired him. And that's how it started. And after a year as a promoter or as a manager, okay. they said, we're taking you off TV. And he said, why? And he said, because you're more popular than the wrestlers. <laughs> because of his mic work. Right. So he decided that he was going to become a wrestler. Took him a year. Came back as a wrestler. My favorite of his theme songs was from his time in WCW. And he was a music, and it was a musical ripoff of Nirvana's teen spirit called Self High Five. Let's take a listen. So he was a multiple-time WCW title holder, did hold a few titles during his WWE years. One-time WWE European Champion, one-time Tag Team Champion with Chris Canyon, and was inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame at this year's WrestleMania 33. This year being 2017 for prosperity reasons. So, the guy is amazing. He, um, one of the best stories, now, to to back this, I, I've been watching a lot of D- DDP stuff. Um, for yeah, how, my, how is that? I was just going to get to that. For my birthday, Lou and his wife, Nicole, bought me a uh, DDP two-disc Blu-ray set. And I was wrong. There is stories on it. It's not just matches. So, And the story part has actually been more interesting than the matches. I mean, the matches are kind of fun, and it's actually kind of interesting. I find that he's got as many matches that he lost on that DVD as that he won. Because, you know, most of the time these DVDs, you get to see the ones they win. Oh, yeah. That's a posterity thing, too. Right. So, but he's kind of got a mix of the two. 
the guy's amazing. So one of the stories they had, uh, Booker T, for those of you who don't know who Booker T is, he is the five-time, 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 five-time WCW world champion. And he was also part of um, the tag team uh, Harlem Heat with his brother. But... He did a, he was doing a specialty thing down in Houston, Texas, where he's from for uh, kids that have, that are, you know, poverty kids, that kind of thing. And he asked DDP to come down and talk to the kids and whatever. And I guess the price they, they agreed on was $3,000. Okay. So DDP shows up and he does his thing. Booker pays him. And when his Booker's, one of Booker's kids drops him off at the airport, Diamond hands him back a back an envelope and says, give this to your dad, you know, and walks off. Booker gets the, the, the envelope back, $2,900 still in the envelope. He took 100 bucks. And, I mean, there's stories like that constantly about how good of a person DDP is. And it's just, it's one of those things that really make me think that personas are one thing. Because DDP, most of the time, was a heel. Oh, yeah. He, you was know, a, he was a good one, too. Oh, he was one of the best. I mean, like I said, heels are fun. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so I'll stop blathering on. So we'll call this episode done. I would say so. Absolutely. All right. So if you want to reach out to us, let us know what you think of our series, what you think of um, this episode in particular. You can do so. There's a couple ways. First, you can drop us an email at musicchallengepodcast at gmail.com. Or they can find us on Facebook, can't they? Absolutely. If you want to elbow drop us a message over at Musically Challenged Podcast on Facebook, you can like us, share the page, whatever you'd like to do. I'm more than happy to hear from you. Excellent. So once again, thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you next week. You have been listening to a program from the Point of Insanity Network. Visit us at poigamestudio.podbean.com for more shows. Follow us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at POI Game Studio.